Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network, for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. And once again, I have another pilgrimage to invite you to, encourage you to attend. Perhaps you did attend the pilgrimage at St. Nanzian's in Wisconsin at Holy Resurrection Monastery on Saturday, August 16th, but now we have another one coming up. In fact, it'll be next weekend. It will be the annual Labor Day weekend pilgrimage at Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Now, this will be very significant because it is the 80th pilgrimage, and the sisters of St. Basil who live on Mount St. Macrina, that's their mother house here in the United States, they have hosted what is the longest-running pilgrimage in the Byzantine Catholic Church in America. It started 80 years ago at Mount St. Macrina. Now, one of the many reasons I encourage you to consider this pilgrimage, or any pilgrimage really, especially to any Eastern Christian site, is, first of all, you get a sense of a very important and significant aspect of Eastern Christianity, and that is process. The process of getting somewhere, the process of preparing for something. It is not always the destination or the event itself. Yes, that would be, of course, the ultimate purpose and climactic moment. But the East puts a lot of emphasis on the preparatory period of something, as well as the coming out of it period. I like to use this bell curve I've mentioned many times in our program because it's very appropriate. Think of a bell curve, something like a, like a roller coaster curve. You know, when you rise up, then there's the top, the peak, and then you descend down and move out, come to a stop, cycle back through it again. This is a very characteristic rhythm of the approach of spirituality and worship in the Eastern churches. I'm going to use this bell curve as that image. And an example of that is pilgrimage. Because pilgrimage emphasizes the very process, the rising action. Of course, there is a goal, there's a purpose to be at the place of pilgrimage. But to actually get there in that process of getting there, the preparation is part of the grace, part of the whole character or charism of pilgrimage. 
So whenever we look at a place of pilgrimage, if it seems far away or inconvenient, that's exactly where the grace is, precisely because it's further away or inconvenient. In fact, the custom of pilgrimage that the Sisters of St. Basil and Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania hold every year, that tradition of pilgrimage actually was brought here from our countries of origin in Eastern Europe, where pilgrimage is still very much a big part of that spirituality. But if you go back far enough, remember the Holy Lands. Remember the Crusades, the ancient Crusades? Well, one of the reasons why the popes initiated the Crusades, and for better or for worse, they occurred, but the reason behind them originally was so that the Holy Lands could be made safe again for pilgrims. That's right. All the way back in the Middle Ages, it was very much the custom for Christians in Europe to make a pilgrimage to the place where Jesus was born, where he lived and died and rose. Jerusalem. Nazareth, you know, the Holy Lands. And later on, when Islam took over those areas and began to drive the Christians out, it became more and more difficult for Christians to make this pilgrimage. So the popes called for the Crusades. They wanted to gain back that passageway, safe passage, so the Christians could go to these places where Christ himself walked and taught and lived, died and rose. So pilgrimage goes way back into medieval times, even before that, a particular medieval times, and then later on in Eastern Europe among the Eastern churches. We love to go in lines and processions. We love processions. We love carrying icons and banners and processions and singing hymns, especially hymns of the Mother of God along the way. And the pilgrims, a lot of times they would go there barefoot or in very modest clothes, which is a little knapsack on their back, and they would take food, a little bit of water, and they would stop along the way and pray and sing and rest. But oftentimes the journey was very, very long. Nowadays we have our air-conditioned cars and superhighways and so on. So it behooves us to consider the inconvenience of pilgrimage. And one of those places of destination for this holy inconvenience is Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. It's in a beautiful area, southwestern Pennsylvania. And Mount St. Macrina is so named because The property sits on a hill. It's a very hilly property, as much of Pennsylvania is. And it was acquired by the Sisters of St. Basil. These are the Byzantine Catholic Sisters of St. Basil the Great. Back in the early part of last century, it was really the estate of a very wealthy and a generous man named Mr. Thompson, who eventually lost all his money. And he died penniless in his own mansion, which he built. The sisters can tell you all about this. And eventually the sisters got hold of this property. And they did some renovation and some work on it to restore it and also turn it into a suitable place for their growing religious order, their monasticism, which follows St. Basil the Great, the great Byzantine saint and monastic. Well, eventually they started this tradition of a pilgrimage. Now, the other aspect of pilgrimage is that when you come together, you get a glimpse of several things. This is why pilgrimage is so important and why I promote it strongly in our program today. Pilgrimage brings together the cross-section of the whole church. In a sense, it's a bit like the eschaton already realized on earth. You see so many friends and relatives and your brothers and sisters in Christ oftentimes are far flung, as most Eastern communities are. I know I have many relatives all over the country, especially east of Chicago, where I live now. And we're able to come together in reunion there at Mount St. Macrina. But it is also a glimpse, as I mentioned, in other words, the life as it will be in heaven, which Eucharist immerses us into, gives us a foretaste or an experience of here on earth. In other words, where we all become that one bride of Christ, united in the one body of Christ, in this joyful, happy union and reunion in heaven forever. 
So, in a sense, and sometimes we say tongue-in-cheek in the Byzantine church, that Mount St. Macrina is like Byzantine Catholic heaven. <laughs> it really is a, a marvelous, marvelous reunion and foretaste of the communion of saints in the eschaton. So, we have a couple of really important reasons to go on pilgrimage, and in particular, this one. Because again, as I mentioned, it's the longest-running Byzantine Catholic pilgrimage in the United States of America. It's going to be in its 80th year. Now, what also happens on pilgrimage, in addition to this sense of communion of the eschaton, and also of the grace of traveling too, of putting out that sacrifice, is that the atmosphere is very special. And you really notice this at the end of the pilgrimage. There's a bit of a sadness. It's a joyful sadness at the same time. You're joyful for having immersed yourself and participated in the pilgrimage, having been a pilgrim, but also you're sad that it ends because it is a foretaste of heaven. You touch heaven and you touch the lives of so many people and they touch yours. And so there are special graces that happen there and the sisters can tell you about many miracles that have happened there what it has done for people to come to that holy mountain, Mount St. Macrina. And during the time there, there are a number of services. There's also availability for confession. It's almost nonstop. There are activities for youth, for the elderly, and just many special things that go on. In fact, if you like to camp, there's a whole area you can camp. That's right. They have a camper section. You can come and pitch your tent. Be a real pilgrim. I've done that many times, but... Uh, have to admit, I might be just a little beyond those days right now, but uh, who knows, I may try it again. <laughs> the last time I did it, though, I, I came down with pneumonia. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> that's not to discourage you from doing it, but I highly recommend that you might want to consider camping. It's part, again, of that grace of pilgrimage. But they also have places around the Mount St. Macrina, hotels you can stay at, modest hotels. They used to have pilgrim houses on Mount St. Macrina. They're being renovated now, and they should be really very great welcoming centers for you to attend in the probably about another year or two they'll be finished. They might be finished for this year, I'm not really sure. You can find out about the sisters and the history by going to sistersofstbasil.org. That's sistersofstbasil.org. You can get the whole schedule of the pilgrimage and some of its history and a whole lot of other information. But we're going to talk more about what happens at Pilgrimage when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Saving Jews from the Holocaust in a wheelchair. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky was born in 1865 in western Ukraine. He was an aristocrat who gave up his wealth to become a monk. He then led the Greco-Catholic Church in Ukraine through two world wars. Exiled to Russia for three years during World War I, Sheptitsky never again enjoyed good health. From 1929 until his death in 1944, he worked from a wheelchair. From that wheelchair, Sheptitsky coordinated efforts to save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. Next time, we'll tell you more about the Archbishop 
who at the height of the Holocaust wrote, A lack of love is the source of every hardship and misery. Love is the very substance of all of God's revelation. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit shiptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, urging you to go on pilgrimage, become a real pilgrim. And the destination is Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Information can be acquired by going to their website, the Sisters of St. Basil. It's sistersofstbasil.org, sistersofstbasil.org. I'll be out there. In fact, I'll be overseeing the youth program there. They have that too. They have a youth program, and they have it in what's called the prayer garden. Now, as I mentioned earlier before the break, the property of the Sisters of Iran is the former property of a very, very wealthy man. He was very, very wealthy at the turn of the last century. Unfortunately, lost all his money, but he was very generous at the same time. And so the sisters took this wonderful property, this estate, and they used the different buildings on it and converted it into their own purposes. On that property, and this, this Mr. Thompson who owned this estate, he was very advanced because he had all this money, so he was able to do all the state-of-the-art things for his estate at the time. In fact, it was called Oak Hill, the Oak Hill Estate, which was where he lived with his wife. And what he did was he had a swimming pool, an outdoor swimming pool, but it was enclosed in a great Tiffany glass dome. That's how wealthy he was and how state-of-the-art he was at the time. Well, the sisters, over time, they used that swimming pool, but now they emptied it out and the roof is not on it anymore. And they've turned it into a prayer garden, a special section just for the young people, especially for teenagers. If you come to the pilgrimage this year, that's where you'll find me most of the time because I'll be working with the teens and young people there in the prayer garden, former swimming pool and bathhouse, was a little bathhouse there <laughs> of the very wealthy man, Mr. Thompson, when he owned that estate called Oak Hill. In addition to the youth program, there's processions and programs for little children as well. There is adult enrichment classes and meetings and counseling. And one of the nicest features of the pilgrimage is a candlelight procession that is done each evening. And it's really something to behold. You have to picture rolling hills with little shrine areas all around you, places of prayer with icons and candles. And imagine those rolling hills. There's a path or walkway. And imagine that filled at night with pilgrims holding candles and chanting the songs of the pilgrimage. It's quite a spectacular sight. As far as your eye can see, you see this, this array of candles held by the pilgrims as they walk through the many acres 
the rolling hills of Mount St. Macrina. And their destination is one of the outdoor shrines in which they conclude with some services. As I mentioned, there is a confession available for the pilgrims. I also help out of that as well. And the place basically is buzzing all night long. It gets quieter at night, but people walk the grounds, a very, very prayerful grounds. Now, some of the services that go on there, in addition to confessions I mentioned and opportunities for youth activities, there is also the service of Compline that begins it, small Compline, which is a late night service in the Byzantine church. And one of the features of that is it ends with a mutual forgiveness where we each turn to each other and ask forgiveness from one another. Because remember in the scripture, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, by the time the day ends, you should lay aside any kind of anger or any kind of tension or words that should not have been spoken and things like that that are just most of the time, very unnecessary. So we ask ourselves and ask of ourselves forgiveness. And this is a great tradition that comes from monasteries. In fact, monasteries do it every evening. So the Compline has an evening prayer. It's the last prayer of the night. It has a beautiful prayer to the Mother of God and to Christ in it, asking forgiveness and asking to be guided as we go to our beds for the night. But also we ask forgiveness of one another. So the office of Compline begins the pilgrimage, and that's really on Friday night. Now, again, the pilgrimage runs during Labor Day weekend, August 29th, that's Friday, to Sunday, August 31st. Now, if you want to stay a little bit longer, the next day there are services available, but the pilgrimage officially ends on Sunday evening. Then there is the matin service, the morning service. In the Eastern churches, matins is a very involved service, one of our most complex services. It's actually a combination of matins or morning prayer and what's called lauds. Those of you in the Latin rite, especially if you're in monasteries, you would recognize those terms. They have similarities, these services, to the matins or lauds of the Western churches, the Latin rite church, but at the same time, there are differences. One of the main differences, as is with all the divine office of the Eastern Church, is the inclusion of canons, which are basically dogmatic exposés, dogmatic hymns that express the theology of the particular day or week or feast day, and also of the saint. And these are very, very poetic, very fascinating, interesting exposés that really draw you into the mystery of that day or the saint or the feast. Included in that are prayers that the priest says. In fact, there's 11 very lengthy, very beautiful, involved prayers that he says. Some of them he says out loud. Most of them he says standing in front of the icon screen while the people are chanting the psalms. So the psalmody is part of the matin service. There's also the prayer, glory to God in the highest. Those of the Latin rite would recommend as well. And there is the other praises and other dogmatic hymnody and then blessings, of course, and sometimes, especially on Sunday, there's the reading of the gospel, and also the anointing of the faithful as well. After the gospel, they come up, the gospel is presented to them, they kiss the gospel book, and the priest anoints them with the blessed oil. The matins is done in its entirely, as you find out in monasteries, and it's, it's rather complete at the pilgrimage as well. It will last about an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, sometimes two hours in monasteries. Now, sometimes whenever we attach a time interview to a service, we sort of take a breath and sort of gasp, like, oh my goodness, the thought of a service going on for a couple hours, over an hour, and our, by our standards for some reason, seems very frightening to us sometimes. But actually, when you involve yourself in the service, that's why I generally don't like to attach a time to a service. But in order to just describe it, I, I have done so here, just to illustrate how meaningful and involved Matins is in the Eastern churches. We don't attach time, but whenever you are experiencing these services, there definitely is a timelessness about them, especially if you are truly immersed in them. Time just goes. 
And let's face it, when you're doing something or with someone you really love and you're experiencing time that is very meaningful, it's amazing how time flies, isn't it? There is that saying, time flies while you're having fun. Well, time flies also while you're doing something very, very meaningful, very serious, very involved, very engaging, very beautiful. Time goes very, very quickly as well. And it does in the service of the Byzantine church. Same thing in the Latin Rite church as well. That's why it's always good not to seek time limits on services, but to seek a real experience of them and just, just experience them in a timeless fashion. Time will take care of itself if you're praying correctly. So the Matin service is the next service that's done, and that's after the Compline, which happens at night. Then there are also special other services, such as the Parastas service. The Parastas service takes place at the cemetery. and This is part of the Office of Christian Burial in the Byzantine Church, which is very, very rich and beautiful and meaningful, very moving. And the pilgrims on Mount St. Macrina during the Labor Day pilgrimage pray this Parastas service or Panikidis service at the cemetery where most of our clergy and all of our bishops are buried. That's where I will be buried someday. It's also where many of my relatives are buried, and many other Byzantine Catholics are buried at the Mount St. Macrina Cemetery. So we all process down the cemetery, and we do a special prayer service from the Office of Christian Burial, especially in memory of our deceased priests and bishops. From there, we also then process again to other services. And there are private devotions as well. There's places for rosary. There's places, shrine areas for private devotion all over the mount. It's just a very, very beautiful and prayerful place. Then there are the actual divine liturgies. Now, the divine liturgies are two forms. One is what we call a hierarchical, sometimes called pontifical, and one is a non-hierarchical. In other words, the difference is one has a bishop at it, the other one does not. When the bishops come together, they usually do what's called a hierarchical liturgy, which has many extra parts to it, much more elaborate, as elaborate as our Byzantine liturgy is already, it's even more elaborate with our bishops. It's really very solemn and, and very elaborate, very celebrative. The bishop comes and he has two candles, two sets of candles. One has two candles on it, the other one has three candles on it. It's called the Trichilia and the Dichilia, or Trichilion Dichilion. And this represents the two natures of Christ and the Holy Trinity. And he takes those candles, they're very long candles, and they come together at the top. They're kind of angled inward towards each other, and they're lit together, symbolic of the Trinity being three persons, yet one God. So they come together basically as a single flame, even though there are three distinct flames. And the bishop uses that, and he blesses the people but before that, he blesses creation. He turns to four corners, the four different directions, and he prays to God to, he says, O Lord, O Lord, look down upon this vineyard which your right hand has planted and bless it. And he takes those two candelabras and he crosses his arms with it, and then he makes the sign of the cross in a very big fashion towards each direction of the earth. And then eventually he blesses us as well. And he wears a crown and very elaborate vestments. And he does this blessing several times during the liturgy. And there are special prayers and special aspects of the liturgy that have to do with a liturgy with a bishop. So the hierarchical liturgies are done on Mount St. Macrina during the pilgrimage, especially at the end. It's basically the grand finale, the great liturgy of the weekend, which many people come out for. And these liturgies are done, most of them are done outside at outdoor shrines. And so people can sit on the hillside. It's quite a spectacle to see. It reminds me so much of the gospel where Jesus saw the crowd and he asked them to sit down into little groups on the hillside and he preached to them. 
then remember he divided and multiplied the loaves and the fishes. That's what it always reminds me of, the hungry crowd that came to Jesus as they stand at the altar of the bishops. When I look out as I'm celebrating the liturgy, I look out at the crowd lining that hillside, and it just reminds me, it takes me right back to that gospel passage, Christ looking out at these people hungry for truth, physically hungry and spiritually hungry, but in our case, mostly spiritually hungry for Eucharist, for the grace of the pilgrimage. And then the pilgrims are blessed by the bishop as they return home. The children have had their program, and they go in procession as well. It's really a very inspiring sight for all the pilgrims to see the, basically, the representation of their youth processing very devoutly in front of them to these different services. It really gives, gives us hope, a sense of inspiration. And one of the greatest things to do is just to walk those grounds, especially at night. You hear the distant singing of chanting of psalms, of songs and hymns, people privately in little corners praying, praying the rosary, singing hymns, standing at shrines and praying quietly, people going to confession, people just walking around in reunion with each other. It's just a very, very special place and a very special atmosphere. I can guarantee you of it. So once again, I want to see you out there. Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania during the Labor Day weekend. That would be Friday, August 29th to Sunday, August 31st. To find out, go to sistersofstbasil.org. Sistersofstbasil.org. Thank you for listening. I'll see you at Mount St. Macrina. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.